You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Well, good morning, Radiant Church. Since I already went through my introduction, we'll just dive right into our message for today. Today, we are in part number four of our series entitled Seek. In fact, this is the culmination of our series. We're wrapping that up today. And if you're new with us, you're just joining us for the first time, Seek has been a message series all about recalibrating our hearts to the things of God, putting our focus, our mind's attention, and our heart's affection on where they should be. And that is Jesus Christ himself. You know, so often the end of our year is always characterized by busyness and preparation and parties. And as we begin the new year, we want to slow everything down somewhat and really, again, just set our hearts, our gaze upon Jesus himself. And if you were here with us last week, we were in Luke chapter 18, and this was the the parable of the persistent widow. And we learned that if you want to endure in the end times, that the secret is prayer. The secret is prayer. If you want to resist sinful temptations, the secret is prayer. If you want to endure persecution, the secret is prayer. If you want to not be lulled to sleep by the normal everyday activities and busyness of life, the secret is prayer. And Jesus says here in verse number 8 of Luke 18, he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? In other words, when Jesus returns, will he find his people being faithful in and through prayer? Jesus is clear in his message here. He's clear that if, if we want to endure these last days, we must be a people who always pray and not lose heart. If you're ready to give up, if you're ready to throw in the towel, if you're ready to walk away on your Christian life, listen, don't do it. I want you to endure in prayer. And through and in prayer, God will give you enduring power. He'll help you to endure this seasons. Now, today we're going to jump back into Luke 18. Same parable. I think I told you this last week that we're spending two weeks on this parable because there's so much there to unpack. And so we're going to go back to Luke um, 18, 1 through 8, the parable of the persistent widow. And I've entitled this message, More Reasons to Pray. More Reasons to Pray. Do you need a good reason to pray? I'm going to give you some today, okay? If you need a good reason to pray, we're not only, not, not only going to do that, but I'm going to give you, according to Jesus, Jesus is going to give you four reasons why you should pray, okay? So let's refresh our memory, because some of you might be new this morning, and let's go back to Luke 18. We'll have the verses behind me. I want you to pay attention, follow along as we look at this story. Here's what it, here's what it says. Luke says for us in Luke 18, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town 
who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? The implied answer is no, he won't, right? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, and here's that question, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? Let's take a moment. Let's ask, welcome the Holy Spirit here. Ask God to just uh, breathe on this service. And uh, I want to just take a few moments as well to pray for those who are sick among us. And a lot of, a lot, I've gotten a lot of uh, prayer requests for those who are sick or hospitalized with the virus or with the flu or with whatever, to be honest. And so, I want to just take a moment if we could pray for those who are sick among us and our families and friends as well. Lord, thank you for today, and uh, we thank you again for your presence. And God, we just go before you right now for friends or family members, God, who are ill, who are uh, sick, Lord, who are weak. And Lord, we just ask for healing right now, God, healing uh, on their behalf. God, would you strengthen bodies? Would you raise people out of their beds? God, would you give them a renewed strength and energy today, Lord? God, would you bring healing among your people as we desperately cry out to you? God, today, would you um, soften hardened hearts and would you unlock deaf ears and open blind eyes? God, we trust that you'll draw us near to you. God, if there's someone here who's far from you, um, Lord, would you draw them near to you, God? And by the end of the service, might they cry out, uh, Lord and our God, Jesus Christ. M might they make you their Lord and Savior, God? And so, Lord, we pray and we ask that you would do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. Draw men, women, and children to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. According to a 2014 Pew, Pew Survey or Pew Research Center survey, they found that over half of Americans, 55% to be exact, half of Americans, 55% of Americans say that they pray daily, that they pray each and every day. Out of that number, 21% say that they Pray weekly or monthly. And listen to this. This is fascinating. In that survey as well, even those who have no religious affiliation, those who don't go to church, those who don't claim that they are religious at all, even among those people, 20% say they pray daily. Isn't that fascinating? 55% of Americans say that they pray every day. 
According to another survey done by Barna Research in 2017, they came to the conclusion that prayer is the most common faith practice among, among American adults. The most common faith practice among American adults, including, again, those who claim no faith. It's wild, isn't it? Fascinating. I think it's pretty remarkable for those who have no religious affiliation. So what are some of the reasons why people are praying? Even those who claim no faith, those who don't even attend a church, belong to a church. Why do some people pray? I think common sense would tell us that trouble or need causes people to pray, right? That's probably what most of us would you know, come to that conclusion that, hey, people pray because of life. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Um, bad choices. You know, everything, right, under the sun, of course. Now, Barna Research um, came up with 15 categories that were, among, that were among the most popular listed. And I simply want to give you the top five categories of why people pray. Here it is. Number one, at 62%. 62% of Americans pray prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving. It's good, isn't it? Makes sense. 61% right underneath that pray for the needs of their family and community. Right? We pray for our family. We pray for our community. 49% pray for personal guidance in crises. Personal guidance. Very popular prayer. Just underneath that at 47%. 47% of Americans pray for health and wellness. It's a pretty popular prayer right now in the midst of COVID season, isn't it? Finally, at 43%, 43% confess sin and ask for forgiveness. Now, as we look at this list here, I think you would all agree with me that these seem like pretty legitimate reasons why people pray. Amen, right? Yeah, I would, I would like... I would agree with these reasons, right? But today, as we look at this passage in Luke chapter 18, what I want you to notice is the reasons Jesus gives why we should pray. And although Jesus does link, or, uh, link our motivation to pray with circumstances and trouble, Jesus refers to something else that I think that we commonly Miss. Jesus emphasizes something that I think we rarely emphasize. We're going to find out what that is today, this morning. Before we dive into this, these four reasons why Jesus gives us to pray, here's what I want to do. I just simply want to define what a parable is in case for some of you who are newer to your Bibles. Um, a parable is simply this. It's a short story, a simple story that illustrates a spiritual truth or a moral sort of truth, a moral lesson. And parables were meant to elicit a response on the hearer's behalf. So hearers were meant to give a response. Now, today, here's what I want us, I want, I want us to do. We're going to look at two characters, the two main characters, and from there we're going to make some, some contrast between these characters and God and these characters and the people of God. So hold on to that. So let's start with the unjust judge, okay? He's our first character. 
Let's see what Jesus says about him in verse number two. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Okay? So the first mark of this judge, this judge does not fear God. In other words, he has no reference for God, and he doesn't care what people think about him. He has no regard for God and does not care what people say or think about him. Now, let me point this out to you. Luke is not trying to show us how this judge is like God. And that if we just keep coming to God and we just continue to badger him, eventually God will just kind of give up and give us whatever we want. That's not the case. We know this judge is not like God. Why? Because this judge has no regard for people. Is God indifferent to us? No, he's not, right? God cares about us. So this judge is not like God. Clearly the judge is not supposed to be compared with God, right? Because God, because we know the judge has no regard for people. Rather, here's what I want to show up, point out to you. Rather, Jesus is trying to show us how this judge is unlike God. He's trying to show us how this judge is unlike God. Jesus' point is this. If a judge who has no fear for God or has no regard for people can be swayed by persistent petitions, how much more can we be certain that God will help those who cry out to him day and night? Listen, the only reason why this judge comes to this widow's rescue to help her is because he's afraid she will attack him, okay? He's not motivated by love. He's just simply afraid she's, gonna, she's, gonna, she's going to attack him. His actions were not motiva- motivated by love in any way. Listen, but our God, our God will extend mercy and kindness to those who cry out to him in their need. The first reason why Jesus gives us that we should pray is this. We should pray because God is our loving Father who is concerned and attentive to our every need. God is unlike this judge. He is concerned and he's attentive to our every need. Let me just say this, church. Let me ask you this today. Do you have a need today? Have you come with a need on your heart? Have you come with a burden? Have you come with something weighing on your shoulders? Listen, because if you have, there's good news for you. God is concerned and attentive to your every need. He's come with a concern for you. Do you have a need for a job? Do you need a better job today? God is concerned. He pays attention to your need. Do you or have you come today in need of healing? God is concerned. He's paying attention to your need. Do you need a a relationship to be restored, to be reconciled? Listen, God is attentive to your needs. He's listening. Are you single and looking to mingle? You've been single way too long, right? But you don't need just anyone breathing. Hello, right? You need someone with a J-O-B, okay? You need someone who loves G-O-D, right? Okay, you have a specific prayer, and God is attentive with your 
need. He's concerned about you. Isn't that good news, church? The judge has no regard for man, no interest in the widow, but it's quite the opposite for our heavenly Father. He's looking at you with concern. He's paying attention. And when you approach him in prayer, God is so merciful. We don't deserve it. He's so merciful that he will look to you in kindness and mercy. Wow. It's good news that we have when we come to God in prayer. Let's switch gears now just for a moment. I want us to switch gears and I want us to focus on the widow. Let's focus on the widow. Who is this widow? We don't know because a a parable is a made-up story anyways. But from what we get from the context, listen, this widow has no special relationship with the judge, right? In fact, there is the assumption. The assumption is this. If this widow had a unique relationship with the judge, let's, for example, say this. Let's say that the widow was this judge's mother. Well, we would assume that the judge would come to her rescue, would come to her aid. Why? Because of this special or unique relationship. But the widow comes in as a complete stranger. The widow has no relationship with the judge. But I want us to make a contrast between the widow and God's people. And when I say God's people, I mean us, those of us who are in Jesus Christ, those of us who have bowed a knee in our heart to Jesus and called him Lord and Savior. Notice the contrast that Jesus wants to bring out in verse number seven. Here's what it says. Jesus, these are his words, and will not God bring about justice for what? Listen, listen to the underlined word or look at the underlined word. For his, church, what is it? Chosen ones, right? Chosen ones or the elect who cry out to him day and night. Let me say this. Just like God is unlike the judge, the widow is also unlike the people of God. You see, disciples are no strangers to God. The Bible calls disciples his elect, or literally his chosen ones. His chosen ones. You see, when you're in Christ, listen, you are not a stranger to God. No, you are now brought into the family of God. Because why? Because he's adopted you into his family. Yeah, there could be a few more amens for that, by the way. Right? Gosh, it's like the saddest news you've ever heard or something like that. Wow. You're adopted into his family as sons and daughters. Amen? Man, that's good news. Some of you are like, I don't know. I'm, no, that doesn't seem like good news to me. Well, let me just tell you, it's really good news. I promise you. Because apart from Jesus, you're on your way to hell. So let me just make that super clear just in case you need to get excited about something. Paul says this in Romans 8. Listen, if God is for us, who shall be against us? Who shall bring a charge against his elect? You see, when you're in Christ, listen, here's what happens. God sets his favor upon you because you are his. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. The second reason Jesus gives us to pray is this. We should pray because God acts on our behalf. Because why? Because we are his children. That's why. The widow, she comes in, and she comes in as a stranger. She comes in with no no relationship to the judge. But we're not like the widow. 
That's what Jesus is trying to say. We're not like the widow. We come and we enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. Why? Because we have relationship because of what Jesus has done for us on our behalf. He's adopted us into his family. Jesus would say this, if a poor widow got what she deserved from a selfish judge, how much more will God's children receive what is right from a loving heavenly father? Let me point this out to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul writes this. He says, remember, he's writing to the church. He's writing, he's writing to Radiant Church for now. He's writing to you guys. He's writing to Ephesus, the Christians in Ephesus, of course, primarily. Secondarily, us, though. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. Remember that time where you were in darkness? You were walking in darkness. You were walking in the flesh. You were separated from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You you didn't have any part of the promises of God. I didn't have any. I couldn't lay claim to those promises, right? Without hope, without God in the world. That was all of us. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were what? Were once far away have been brought near by the blood of God. Of Christ. That is good news. You don't deserve mercy. I don't deserve forgiveness. You deserve his wrath. You deserve his condemnation. You deserve his judgment. That's what I deserve too. You deserve the hammer of God coming down upon you. But guess what? In Jesus, you don't get that. You get his grace and favor. Wow. That's insanity. Can you believe that? That's scandalous. We receive grace? Are you kidding me? We receive his gifts, his favor, even his blessing? Oh, my goodness, you guys. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm in a moment right now. Wow. Wow. You see, we're not like outsiders, with, like this widow. We're not like outsiders. We're insiders. We're insiders. We are the family of God. Can I just say this? If there's one thing I know about Radiant Church, we got a lot of cute babies because of that. I know that much. Say that because I just heard a baby screaming and crying. We, we welcome that here. If there's one thing I know about you guys, and I know so many of you personally, it's, it's so good. Here's one thing I know. I know that you would do anything for your family. Amen? Right? Wouldn't you not? You would do anything for your family. You would, parents, can I, can I, right, can you just raise your hand? Would you sacrifice for your sons or daughters? Would you not sacrifice? Yep. Husbands and wives, would you not climb a mountain for your spouse? Some of you are like, well, uh, (laughs) I might go to McDonald's for them, but I don't know about climbing a mountain. (laughs) You would sacrifice, you would lay down your life for your husband, for your wife, you would do anything for them. Why? Because you're family. Why? Because there's deep love where there is unique relationship. There is deep love where there is unique relationship. And this is what we see here. You are bonded together. We are bonded together by unique relationship in the same way God has a deep love for his children. In the same way, 
And we can now claim the promises of God. Why? Because we've been adopted into his family as sons and daughters. No longer orphans. No longer strangers. We're no longer like the widow. No, 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 no. We have relationship with the Father through Jesus. And, I, and some of you are like, I don't deserve it. And you don't. And I don't either. And that's why it's scandalous. That's why it's called grace. Let me make two more contrasts with the widow. Okay, we've got two more reasons Jesus wants to give us for praying. This woman, when she comes into the court, she has no friend of the court to help plead her case or to get her case on the docket. You know, she's left with sort of just walking around the tent, shouting at the judge, uh, making a nuisance of herself, trying to get the judge's attention in hopes that her case will be placed on the docket, that someone will hear her case. But let me say this. When believers pray, listen, in heaven we have a Savior who is our advocate and our high priest. We have a Savior and an advocate, listen, who represents us before the throne of God continually. What is an advocate? Well, I'll give you a definition. An advocate is this, a person who speaks or writes in support or defense of another person, a person who pleads for, for or on behalf of another. Who is interceding in your, who is your advocate right now, church? Jesus, right. It's always the safe answer, by the way, in church, okay? <laughs> Just in case. Or the Bible, one of the two, right? Your advocate is Jesus, and he's pleading your case before the throne of God constantly and continually. You don't have to shout God down. You don't have to try to get his attention. You don't have to do a funny dance. You don't have to cut yourself. You don't have to make a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. You don't have to do any of those things. Why? Because you have an advocate already. His name is Jesus Christ. He is what? The righteous one. According to 1 John 2, 1, says this, My dear children, I write, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Wow. The third reason, so this is the third reason now. The third reason Jesus gives us to pray is this. Pay attention. We should pray because Jesus is pleading our case to the Father on our behalf. Leave that up there for just a few moments. We should pray because Jesus is pleading our case on our behalf. And that's right. This is scandalous once again. I cannot believe that Jesus would do this for us. But in his goodness, in his kindness, he advocates for us. He's our high priest. It's not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross at Calvary. He's our advocate. Finally, let me make one last contrast between the widow and God's people. The widow comes to a court of law, but God's people come to a throne of grace. The woman comes to a court of law, 
for God's people, when we pray, we come to a throne of grace. Hebrews 4:14 through 16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's why he's able to do this, right? Let us approach God's, here it is, throne of grace. With confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Church, do you need grace today? Do you need mercy today? There's good news. God's throne is the throne of grace. The fourth reason, the final reason why we should pray that Jesus gives us. We should pray because grace awaits us at the throne of God not judgment and condemnation. Some of you, that's what you are expecting right now. Some of you, you feel like that's what you deserve, (laughs) okay? And I get it, because that's what we all deserve. We deserve judgment, condemnation. According to Hebrews, though, we approach the throne of what? Of grace to receive what? Mercy. Grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus took the penalty for our sin, right? We deserved condemnation. We deserved judgment. We deserved wrath. And what we receive instead is his grace. Now, maybe your decision has not been a wise decision, okay? You will reap those consequences. You certainly will. And it may be difficult for you because of those choices. Certainly, that's that's not going to go away. But the good news is what? You can receive mercy and grace despite our terrible decisions, despite our sin, despite the times where we've turned our back on God. No, listen, you can receive his mercy and his grace. This is the good news of the gospel Jesus has made a way where there seems to be no way. And let me just say this to you this morning. I love, I love that when Jesus points, points us to prayer, every single reason that Jesus gives us, did you notice, is rooted in the character of who God is or what he's done for us. Every single time He points us to the character of the father through the characters of the judge and the widow. You see, God is unlike the judge, and we are unlike some random widow. Jesus is trying to point something out to us, and it's this. God is much more than an arbiter, a cosmic arbiter in the sky. No, 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 listen. God is a compassionate father, and we are his beloved children. That's what God, that's what Jesus is trying to point out to us today, that when we approach prayer, listen, it's not necessarily motivated by the things that we need. It rather is motivated by who he is. Church, 
Let me say this to you this morning. Our Heavenly Father, listen, our God is a Heavenly Father who intends on intervening in the lives of His children. Listen, prayer doesn't begin with a list. It begins with a person. Prayer doesn't begin with your needs. It begins with who He is. That's what Jesus is trying to point us to Today And so listen, the question is, I had that on the screen a few moments ago, that God is a compassionate Father. We are his beloved children. And the question for, that I must ask you today is, do you know God this way? Do you know God this way? Some of you, when you pray, you're not quite sure God hears you. Some of you, when you pray, you think that God is far off and he's distant. Some of you, when you pray, maybe you uh, think that God is the universe, because that's popular right, right now. Some people call God the universe. They pray to the universe. Some of you think maybe God is merely the sum being of the celestial bodies in the sky. But he's not. Let me reiterate reiterate this to you this morning. God is not far off and distant. God is not merely the sum total of celestial bodies in the sky. God is not the universe. God is not a social construct. God is not a Western illusion. God is not some sort of myth from the pre-scientific or pre-modern age. God is something, God is not something that's been contrived in Western minds or created by the patriarchy. No. God, rather, listen, is a compassionate father, and we are his beloved children. And maybe, listen, maybe, maybe all of the reasons why you pray have always been wrapped up because of the things that you need. And that's not necessarily bad. But what I want you to see today, what rather Jesus wants you to see today, is that our motivation to pray, listen, should be wrapped up in who God is. He is a Father who is concerned and who pays attention to every need. And I know it's not a bad thing to come with him with your needs. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying rather there's a deeper motivation. It's this. It's that he is a heavenly father. He's a good father who loves you, who cares about you, who's concerned about every single need that you have, who's ready listen, to listen, to heal, to respond with kindness, with mercy, with his grace. That's who our God is. And that's the point I believe Jesus is trying to make. And for some of you this morning, listen, for some of you this morning, if you don't know him this way, if you don't know him this way, God is going to go from being a cosmic force or an impersonal being to a personal being who knows you by name. Who knows you by name. Listen, and for some of you, listen, For some of you, God is the father you never had. Listen to me closely. For some of you, God is the father you never had. Let me just say this real quick for some of you. 
I felt this this week as I was praying for this message. Our Heavenly Father is not like your earthly father who abandoned you. Our Heavenly Father is not like your earthly father who rejected you, maybe. Your Heavenly Father won't seek his selfish agenda like your earthly father did, maybe, perhaps. The scriptures are clear. Our Heavenly Father is in a category all in his own. So many people are suffering from father wounds in our culture. So many of us looking for love in the wrong places. Can I just tell you today that your Heavenly Father is nothing like your earthly father. If your earthly father was absent, your Heavenly Father is present and he's faithful. And today I want you to know him this way. Today, I want you to know him as Father. Today, I want you to know him in a very personal way. Listen, and when you pray, I don't want it to just be motivated by the things that you need or want. I want it to be motivated by the fact that he's your heavenly Father. He loves you. He sees you. cares for you. He understands you. He's ready to act on your behalf. This morning, I want you to respond to him accordingly. Do you know him this way? Do you know him this way, church? Because if you don't, you can know him right now this way. Come, Holy Spirit, right now in this place. Spirit of God, move. Move on begrudging hearts right now. Spirit of God, move on hardened hearts. Lord, Spirit of God, move on those who our earthly fathers have abandoned us. Spirit of God, move on our earthly fathers who've rejected us. Come and heal. Spirit of God, come and heal right now. Heal hearts this morning, God. God, come and move on those who who their earthly father has only sought their selfish agendas. God, come and heal hearts right now. God, come and heal the young women in here who have been looking for father figures their whole lives and, and have always come short of that. Come heal hearts right now, Lord. Come heal hearts right now. Sons and daughters coming home right now in Jesus' name. Prodigal sons and daughters coming home right now. God is not the universe. God is not a social construct. God is not a figment of your imagination. God is not an idea from pre-modern times. God is your heavenly Father. And I've come to Expose a lie and reveal the truth. And the truth is God is your heavenly Father. The truth is that which is in, in accordance with reality. And reality says that God is our Father. So God, would you come right now that we might know you as Father. All across this room. All across this room. Hearts submitted to you. Forgive us, God, of the times that we've abandoned you, for the times that we've turned our backs on you, God, for the times that we've looked for father figures and other people. And God, we come in repentance today, God. We thank you for being our heavenly father who loves us and knows us and who always looks upon us with kindness and compassion. God, we understand that we don't deserve it. Now forgive us, Lord. We receive grace today. And mercy for our time of need, God. We want to know you as our Father. In Jesus' name we pray.